So if you haven't heard, Facebook is in some serious hot water. They're being held accountable by our government because they've been causing hazards to their users. And we know this because their employees, the people that were building the technology, came forward and said, uh, yeah, we got a problem here. We're seeing the actual research and proof, tangible proof, that this is causing harm. And yet Facebook isn't doing anything about it. They're continuing to do this, to extort people for money. So how is that any different from human trafficking, child labor, or illegal organ harvesting? Well, this is one of the first times in our human existence that a online platform is causing serious, physical, real-world harm to its users. And it has the potential to do this on a massive human scale. But what we're not going to do is sit here and dive deep into all of the different harms Facebook is causing. There's a lot of incredible people already talking about that. And Facebook isn't the only tech that prioritized profit over people and created harm. But the real question is, how do we not do this again? Our answer is humanity-friendly technology. Let's chat about it. Okay, so in our last podcast, we talked about our HazDAP story, how we got to where we are now as we're building tools to help everyone adapt to the different hazards they may face. But let me break that down real fast, because that's a lot of words. So hazards. Now, when you normally think of a hazard, you're thinking natural disasters like earthquakes, storms, and heat waves, or maybe some human-made stuff like active shooters, poisonous chemicals, war, and crime, or intersocial hazards, like bullying, assault, psychological abuse, and hate promotion. Now, there are so many more hazards out there besides just the few that I named here, but no matter what the hazard is, in order for us to overcome it, we have to adapt. So what does it mean to adapt? Well, think of it like a timeline. Before the emergency or the hazard, you wanna prepare, you wanna know what to do, and you wanna have the tools and support system around you to help in case you have to experience it. And when you do experience it, you're responding. You are problem solving and you are figuring out how to survive and sustain the least amount of harm. And then once the immediate danger is over, you're trying to recover. And that is, you know, heal what's been harmed and get back to a stronger place in case it ever happens again. And one of the most important aspects of how we adapt is our common unity or community. That's right. We're actually more likely to be saved by your neighbor or family member rather than FEMA or a first responder when disaster strikes. So community is critical in how we're able to adapt. And in this day and age, the way that we're able to connect to our community is often with digital tools. So this is where Hazadap comes in. We are not only trying to help connect you to your community, specifically for hazard adaptation, we're also trying to provide a base of information and resources to help you do it. Now, pre-Hazadap, one of the ways that we would quickly share alerts or other information would be mass notifications. So that would be your local emergency authority, usually your emergency manager, 
sending out a mass alert. And, you know, most people see that as like texts, maybe you get an email uh, or have some other kind of digital alert. Um, sometimes we also use social media. So you'll see a post by an emergency authority or other public safety authority uh, if you're obviously subscribed to them or subscribed to some other entity sharing that kind of information. Now, compared to Facebook, those mass texts are obviously really limited, right? You get the message, usually in just one language, and that's about it. Uh, and often the messages are limited to only about 130 characters. So most of the time, those messages are just alerting to the imminent danger. And it's leaving the decision on how you're supposed to survive and knowing what to do completely up to you. And unless you're a hazard geek like myself or another emergency trained professional, we default to Google and social media and other entities to find out what we should be doing. And that's always risky. One, better hope you have internet. But two, you know, now you've got to wade through all of these ads. And, you know, one of the most dangerous issues is misinformation. And, you know, I'm not going to dive deep into information in this misinformation in this podcast, uh, but I will eventually go deep into that in another podcast. So the big underlying thing here, we just currently don't really have a safe place to quickly find emergency and hazard information in an offline setting and without all of the extra distractions. So this is a big gap in how we're communicating and letting everybody know in the community of what you should be doing during this hazard, right? Especially if it's only coming in one language and it's only giving you a little bit of information and now you've got to go search for that. Well, most people don't have time for that if they're in the middle of an emergency. So we have a problem that every single disaster, people are getting hurt and sometimes even dying. We have seen examples of this even just as recently as this year during the New York floods. Uh, we heard Governor Kathy Hochul say that deaths from Ida, you know, showed weaknesses in the state's disaster notification system, including a lack of notifications in different languages. And very similarly, in California, there was an immigrant community that, you know, was working in outdoors in the wildfire smoke, which one is very dangerous for your health. Um, and throughout COVID, they had seen disproportionate harm coming from not having the information they needed in a format that they could understand. Now, I want to be clear, I'm not blaming emergency managers for the lack of information here. These are professionals doing the best they can with what they've got. And right now, a lot of the best that they've got are mass notification systems. And this stems from a much deeper rooted issue. And that's how we've historically been building tech. You know, we've typically always built technology to make our lives more efficient, easier, and to make us money. So that right there, those three things, making it efficient, easier, and make us money, those are our starting intentions. And if there's one big takeaway I want you to take from this podcast, when we are building technology and tools, our starting intention is everything. And we really haven't started to build technology with the initial intention of do no harm. And when we don't do that, it shows. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these issues come out of Facebook because they didn't ask, how do we not do harm? 
They were trying to get us connected more efficiently, make it easier to find information within the community and and stay up to date on all of that juicy drama and gossip. Uh, but those aren't necessarily the best intentions for what we need in our most invulnerable moments, like in a hazard. So the bottom line here, this is bad and dangerous for our health, and we need to create tech differently to meet the needs of our communities going through this new disaster era. Now, I'm so thankful to report that there are many entities now standing up and rising against this historical uh, way that we build technology and saying, okay, yeah, no, we have to do this differently. So we see things like humane tech, uh, which is a new movement asking, how do we not do harm? But we're not really yet seeing a ton of technology implemented with standards and really specific strategic points of action that incorporate the ethics we need in our technology to help us survive and adapt. And this is why Hazdap is creating humanity-friendly technology. And no, I'm not saying human-friendly. Human-friendly means easy to use for most humans, but that typically translates uh, to just making this tool or this technology useful and intuitive for a target audience. And as we know from our starting intentions, our target audience has typically been the highest payer. So it really may not be inclusive for everyone. So this is where humanity-friendly goes beyond just making it easy to use. And it starts with its core, right? So the definition of humanity, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, uh, is humanity means compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition, the quality or state of being kind to people and animals. So we created the term humanity-friendly as an umbrella term for the very specific intentions that would create real-world practical strategies for tech creators, looking to create tools that actually benefited humanity and took into consideration ways to protect the people that they're serving. Now, there's four big tenets of humanity-friendly. One, it's inclusive in its design and function. Two, it's receiver-oriented or it's equitable, offering messages and resources that you need for your unique situation. Three, it's community-centered. So it's working with the community and creating success metrics that are beyond just profit, but also include community well-being and community wealth. And four, it's humane. And this is following the rising of humane technology. This is a whole uh, organization, humane technology, and I highly recommend go check them out. But humane tech really focuses on not doing harm by how the tech makes money and what is its full impact on society. Now, We'll dive into each of these tenets of Humanity Friendly in the next couple podcasts and how that fundamentally changes how tech is created, implemented, and makes impact, especially in our realm of hazards and humans. But today, I want to wrap up this podcast with some empowering takeaways. First, for the community unit, that's the public, we the people, and the emergency professionals and authorities that serve the people. We know it is hard to use a tool and technology you may not trust. 
and you shouldn't have to. More options are coming. We're building them for you and your highest and best. And for my technology creators, we can create better tech and still make great, sustainable, non-exploitive revenue. We got to start with strong ethical boundaries at your intention. And if this is singing to your heart and you want to start using your amazing tech creation skills to bring hope and wellness to the community, come join us. Email us at team at We want you here. Tune in to the next podcast where I'm going to be joined by one of Hazadap's developers and we're going to dive deep into how we're actually implementing humanity friendly in the tech. No, for real, we're going to tell you our specific strategies and what it actually looks like in the code. Because even if you can't join us here at Hazadap, we hope that you can take these intentions and these strategies to make whatever tech and tools that you're building humanity friendly and better for the community. This is Jenny signing off with a reminder. It's okay to go back to the drawing board and really address the roots of the problems you're seeing as we're all adapting here.